happy. Hello, everybody. My name is Jordan Nostroff with Jordan Law, and this is Let's Get Up to Business, our podcast-turned-Facebook live show during the coronavirus. As you all know, we are a business law and personal injury firm here in Orlando, Florida, and today we're talking with Ms. Jory Rose about mindfulness and how to cultivate it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me on, Jordan. I really appreciate the opportunity to connect with you and your audience. And so before we get into it in a little bit more detail, if people know that they want to learn more about mindfulness and want to connect with you from here, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, the best thing is probably get to my website, joryrose.com, J-O-R-E-E-R-O-S-E.com. From there, you'll get all the links to connect with me on social media. I post at Facebook and Instagram daily. I am also host of the podcast Journey Forward with Jory Rose. Um, when the world allows, I lead retreats around the world. Um, those are all on hold for the moment. And I've got a lot of exciting projects I am launching, including a membership site, an upcoming book. So all of that will be able to be linked and found right at that website. Wonderful. So of everything I've ever tried, writing a book has been by far the most difficult thing to get done. Yes. So major, major props to you on that. I, I've been going through a lot of post-it notes for my organization tactic. <laughs> there you go. That makes sense. So before we get into this, I mean, I, I think the top question, at least for me, is so when we're talking about mindfulness, what does that really mean? You know, I, I love to just jump right off and give how I define mindfulness because here's this ancient practice that's been around for over 2,500 years that in the past you know, since the late 70s, it's really begun to slowly and only more recently with more momentum get access to our secular society here in the Western world. And people still often don't understand what it is. And they also often mistakenly interchangeably use the words mindfulness and meditation. So I've taken mindfulness classes and workshops and trainings and seminars and retreats with some of the top teachers in the world. And I was still confused. So I like to explain it in a way that's really simple and attainable, that's relatable, that people can begin to say, oh, I can do that. So I define mindfulness simply as living with greater awareness, greater attention, and greater intention. Okay, so that even sounds a little fluffy in and of itself, but what does that actually mean? Is to slow down, get off autopilot, and get into the driver's seat of your own life. Because I don't know about you, Jordan, and I don't know about you guys listening, but I know for me, I was on that driver's seat of autopilot from like day one. I was rushing and racing to what was next, what was next, what was next, what was next. And while I thought each next step was what I wanted because it was the logical next progression, one day I woke up in my early 30s and I was like, how did I get here? I didn't remember making the conscious choices. And now that I understand where I was and what was motivating me by that, which was fear and anxiety and fear of the unknown and the value of safety and security, I recognized I wasn't being mindful at all. I did not know how to slow down. I was afraid of slowing down actually from what I would notice and pay attention to. I believed every single thought that came into my head and a lot of those thoughts weren't always positive. And so that kept me really um, in a lot of fear and anxiety. And so to practice mindfulness is to really be aware of what's arising in you. So what's arising, we've got thoughts, we've got emotions, we've got sensations in our body, we've got distractions around us. When we're not being aware, anytime one of those come up, we're like being pulled in all these different directions. 
But when we can slow down to be more aware, the attention piece is to pay attention to how do I normally react when a thought comes in? How do I normally react when I have a sensation in my body that I'm labeling as pain? How do I normally react when I hear my dog barking or some sounds and I get distracted and pulled out of my focus and attention? And then that last piece to live with intention is to know why are we doing what we're doing? Because we get so stuck in old habits and old patterns and old mindsets that we fail to really actually ask ourselves, does that still apply for me right here and now? And one of the ways that I guide people in living with greater intention is to understand your values and to be values driven because that'll help keep you really present in making choices based on who you are and who you wanna be rather than what you're afraid of or who you were in the past. And so, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I talk to people all the time about trying to live in the moment. And it's something that I struggle with, especially really with a cell phone. I mean, I think that is the easiest way to not live in the moment is having access yes, to it's, it's all those distractions, right? Yeah. I mean, and we're on Facebook and Facebook is a distraction. And I'm going to smack talk Facebook for a, a small second um, as we talk about this. But so it's interesting because you're kind of taking it a step farther than that. It's not just living in the moment. It's really cool about a lot of the stuff to make sure that you're still on the right path. So rather than analytical, I would say the word curious. Okay. I, I would be curious and compassionate to whatever you're noticing about whatever's coming up and then just be intentional. And that's way easier said than done. And it does not happen overnight. And, you know, one of the main things about if you heard a traditional definition of, of mindfulness, it's living in the present moment. Um, and I'm, so, you know, kind of giving some shorter descriptions, but you'll hear the words being in the present moment and you'll hear the words non-judgment. So I want to qualify what, what, the, but what both of those mean. I don't actually think mindfulness is about being in the moment every moment. We can't be in the present every moment. But here's the thing. I think we can be aware of when we're not in the present moment and at least decide, do I want to go back to what I was doing or am I okay being taken off on this tangent? Because without the awareness that we're not present, then we don't even know where to begin. Like, I'll give you a quick example. I used to teach mindfulness classes weekly. And every week I'd have people come in and I'd ask them, what was a mindful moment? Just one mindful moment you had from the week. And so often, Jordan, people would say, I did not have one mindful moment at all this week. I wasn't aware at all. And my compassionate response to them would say, the mere fact that you were aware of not being aware in and of itself is awareness. So look at that. You are already being mindful, even though you're not practicing. So to me, I want to open up this definition of what it, be mind, what it means to be mindful to say, it's not about just being present. It's about noticing when you're not. And here's the other, does that make sense? Does that yeah, clear up no, some of that? Definitely. And with the non-judgment piece, so when I hear the definition that says, you know, you're supposed to not be judgmental to what's arising, to yourself, to others. Okay, I'm human and I have judgment. So as soon as I hear a definition that says to not judge and then I have a judgment, you know what the first thing I'm going to think is? That's not for me. I can't do this. So again, I want to qualify what it means to not be judgmental. It's to notice whatever judgments are arising with compassion for the fact that you're human, you're going to have judgments. It's your mind thinking, which is what your mind does. And be intentional in how you respond. Just because you have a judgment doesn't mean you need to act on it. And so the opposite of judgment is compassion, which is one of the foundational tools to practice when being mindful. It's to say to yourself, 
I, I, you know, I'm human. This is what's coming up for me. I didn't create this chaos. You know, this is just part of living the full human experience. So what do I want to do with it? So it goes back to the awareness and intention. And if you're coming from curiosity and compassion, that will keep you grounded because then you're not just automatically reacting. To me, being mindful is responding and not reacting. It's not not having any response at all. It's just simply doing so with awareness. And so the difference there that responding, reacting, the response is more intentional? Yes, you've thought it out. You've paused for a moment. Because here's the thing, when we're being, when we're being aware, we want to create some space between how we identify ourselves and whatever's coming up for us. Like who's the I, who's the me when we say I'm angry, right? It's observing, oh, well, I'm experiencing anger right now. So when you create, when you create some space, you can kind of see what is it that's arising. You can see the thought, you can see the emotion because you're not just automatically reacting to it like a knee jerk reaction. And in that space, and that space could be a half a second where you just pause to breathe and to say, wow, look at that. Look at this anger I'm feeling. That's interesting. Okay. I'm human. It's understandable why I'm angry. And what do I want to do with it? So I'm going to give you a quick example how I, the languaging I use. I once was working with a young girl who had a lot of anxiety and she described the anxiety as being like in the middle of a tornado. And I love visuals. So it was a perfect description. And I said, look, I'm not here to deny that the tornado it's real. It's what you're feeling. And let's see if we can be the commentator coming, commentating on the tornado. So let's see if you can step outside of it and observe it. Wow, that's a really big tornado. Wow, that came out of nowhere. Wow, look at the destruction it's picking up along the way. See, by stepping outside of it, she was now observing it. By not being in the middle of it, she had more power about to do with it. Otherwise, it was just reaction, reaction, reaction. Tornado, she got down, can't do anything. So, you know, it, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I love that visual picture that you get. And obviously, it's unfortunate somebody's going through that. But I, but I like the ability to better control it by being aware of it from that standpoint. Um, mm -hmm. When we're talking mindfulness, I mean, is it a situation where everybody needs to be more mindful? Or is it a situation where we are seeing people who are not mindful enough and helping them gain more mindfulness? Well, I, I, I really have to say... I think mindfulness is the answer to everything. And I'm not saying that callously. I think it is. I think we're human and there's inherent struggle and suffering as part of being human. And we are not necessarily taught how to respond to that struggle skillfully. And we react. Mindfulness gives us the ability to respond differently. So I often say, whether you're sitting in traffic or dealing with cancer, the tools are the same. It's how you respond to whatever's coming up, right? If you're sitting in traffic, and you're all pissed off and you're angry and you're like, you know, cursing at every car in front of you and you're blaming and you're externalizing and it's getting you all fired up. And now your thoughts are going about the whole rest of your day, how it's going to get ruined. And you walk around now having this chip on your shoulder because you're so pissed. I mean, like the mindful response would be to say, it's just traffic and traffic sucks. And I didn't create it and I can't, I can't solve it. If I, you know, I can't necessarily fix it. It's just, it's just what's here. And so how I relate to the traffic is going to impact my experience of it. That's mindfulness, right? So it, it's all about how are we responding to what's arising right now? You have a choice. And I've, I've said from the beginning of coronavirus, 
this pandemic is giving us a great opportunity to practice. Right. Because we can enter into fear and anxiety of the unknown. We can believe every negative thought. We can become super anxious. We can ruminate on the past and say, oh, why? I want life to go back to normal. Why isn't the way it was? Well, the reason mindfulness is about being in the present moment is because when we're not in the present, where do we go? Well, we go to the past where we ruminate or we go to the future where we get anxious. So we ruminate and we get depressed that it's not the way it was. Even if it was something bad that we're reliving and we're saying, oh, if only I could have done that different or we're stuck in the past of, oh, that vacation was so amazing. I just want to get back there. How can I do that? And now I can't fly anywhere and Europe won't let me in. And, oh, I just want to go back, right? So it pulls you out of where you're at. And if your mind goes to the future, usually the future is about what if and unknowns, which causes anxiety. So at the root of mindfulness is Buddhist meditation practice where the Buddha discovered the present moment's all we have. So the more we're stuck in the past, the more we wander to the future, the harder right now is going to be. So if we can just rein our attention back in, right now is never as hard as we're anticipating when we're constantly comparing it against something else. So again, that, that ability to stay curious and compassionate, to say, wow, look at that. Look how my mind wanders there so quickly. That's interesting. No wonder, you know, I'm worried about the future unknown. How could I not be? And does it mean you don't plan for the future? Does not mean you don't anticipate or, you know, set what you need to do? It's when you dwell in the future so much that it's taking you away from what's happening right now in front of you. I'm going to give you a really simple little example how this plays out in every day. Sure. Think of a conversation you're having with a, a partner, a spouse, a coworker, maybe put something, a conversation that might be slightly difficult you're anticipating having to be like kind of hard. So you walk into this conversation, probably feeling some tension of, you know, the anticipation of it based on maybe something in the past. And so you're trying to prepare for this conversation. And I mean, you know, this is probably what you do all the time, right? But you got to be, the problem is, is when we're too far ahead in the present. So if, if I'm going to say something to you and I'm anticipating your response and then I'm going to anticipate my response to your response and I'm playing it out 10 minutes down the line so much so that I've already believed the conversation has happened that I don't even, I'm not even listening to what you're saying and I'm responding to the anticipation of what I thought you would say. So if I'm not being mindful and aware, I'm not listening to what you're saying at all. And now I'm not being present because I'm, I'm living ahead. See, that's interesting. So from the standpoint of a you know, Facebook live show that's interview based, I'm never more mindful than right now because I really have no idea what my next question is until you finish yeah. what you're saying. So that's a, uh, that's, that is the perfect example for right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember I've got a, a chiropractor friend of mine who's very into a lot of this stuff. And he talks about how like you can only be happy in the moment. You know, when you're thinking about the future, either you're going to be happy for achieving those goals or you're going to get anxious about doing it or not. When you're thinking about the past, you know, you may be happy in the moment remembering a fond memory, but you're mm -hmm. not you're not happy then. You were happy then, but you can't really think about it that way. So it's right. really it's an interesting way that like you can be aggravated not being in the moment, but you can really only be happy in the moment. Yeah. You know, I once was teaching a course and some some gentleman raised his hand and he said, why can't I dwell on the positive past? You know, we get stuck on the negative past pretty easily, like things that haunt us and we ruminate on. He goes, why can't I dwell on the positive past? I said, well, because it skews us from how we see the present. If When you first start dating someone, 
and the the hormones are you know all the positive hormones are being dumped in your brain again this huge dopamine dump all this oxytocin everything is perfect and wonderful and then life settles in and those hormones kind of slow down and they're released and now we're just human beings who we now love each other but if i compare right now to those first early months of dating when everything was heightened and I use that as a baseline for my happiness right now. Am I ever going to be happy in this relationship? No, because it's comparison to the past, even though it was a positive past. So we can acknowledge it, but notice when this past or future mindsets take us away from what actually is and they shade or cloud our ability to be with what is. Makes so much sense. Yeah. I want to give, you know, a couple other things that I think are really important. And I want of course. I'll, I'll talk I'll talk for a moment about the difference between mindfulness and meditation. But I want to say a few more foundational um mindsets to adopt if you're beginning to practice mindfulness. So we said, you know, being in the present moment, practicing non-judgment. Uh, obviously, I said the awareness, attention, intention. Another three really fundamental pieces of practicing mindfulness is gratitude compassion and loving kindness and gratitude is actually the theme of my book that I'm working on right now. And gratitude is so amazing for so many reasons, but I'm going to give you a quick example to draw it in to recognize how to put it to use. I was leading a gratitude meditation and course one day and this gentleman at the end of the class raised or raised his hand after the end of the meditation. And he said, I finally understand how gratitude can help me when I'm angry. Because you see, the mind can't be angry and grateful at the same time. He said, I got into a really big argument with my wife this morning, and we were just really angry at each other. And he said to me, I'm so grateful I have her to be angry with. It's a way of, <laughs> it's a way of reframing. It's a way of reframing it. The gratitude right. can pull you back in to prevent you from the spiraling because we have an emotional brain. And when that emotional brain takes over, it shuts down our logic, our reason, our rationality, our decision making. And gratitude is one of the ways that we can get unhooked from our negativity bias because the negativity bias is simply how our brain was designed to focus on the negative in an effort to keep us safe and protected. And that negativity bias is hardwired in us from when we were cavemen. So we have to actively work hard to look for the good because our natural wiring is to look for the bad because it's self-protective. So to look for the good is to have the awareness of, oh, look at that, I'm dwelling in the negative. How is that serving me, right? Curiosity and compassion. Let me see if I can shift to gratitude and dwell there. It doesn't take away, like the tornado, what's going on. It shifts the lens through which you see it. it. It's a huge, beautiful practice. Compassion is, like I said, the opposite of judgment is compassion. We all have a really loud inner critic. So if we could change the voice inside our head to be one of kindness rather than judgment, everything would start shifting to ourselves and to others. It's really being your own best friend. And loving kindness practices wishing well upon others. You know, recognizing... If you're really struggling with somebody, it's really easy to create a story and a, a, a kind of a tape to run in your head of all the things of why you're you know, struggling with this person. And at the root of it, it's a lot easier if you just send them well wishes. So it, it shifts your entire energy and unhooks you again 
from spiraling in that negative, which is going to take us out of being present. So I guess then, then this brings me to the loaded question. So, you know, we're gearing this podcast mostly for business owners and obviously, you know, everything you talk about negativity, 2020 has really uh, put up that mirror for us. So what are some things that people can be doing? I mean, what are those small first couple steps that business owners can take to become more mindful, to make those mindset switches, to be more compassionate, to have more gratitude, you know, to the extent that we can control ourselves, how do we start that process? It's a great, great question. And I want to acknowledge, I think 2020 has taught us what a perceived sense of safety and control we have over our own lives. And one of the fastest paths to suffering is expectation and attachment. As a business owner, that's really hard. How can I not have expectations and attachment to the outcome of my business, right? It's my livelihood. How can I not do that? When we recognize that we only have control over two things ever, we have control over our breath and we have control over our response to what's arising. Everything else we don't have control over. I can't control, you know, whether or not all my clients are going to show up this week. I can't control whether or not the book I'm writing is going to be a success. I can't control whether my membership I'm going to put out to the world and push hard is going to have anyone who signs up, right? If I dwell on the, the future outcomes as a determining factor on my success in the moment, I'm going to have a lot of skewed sense of success because I can't control all of the future outcomes. I might be doing my best effort and still nothing may happen, right? So part of it is to recognize, are we setting our definition of self and success on all future outcomes? Or can we try to be more present in, am I doing my best effort with this moment, connecting with this person, with this client? So it's actually shifting what can I control and what can't? Because we know COVID has taught us there's very little we have control over in this life right now, right? It's not a matter of, you know, um, what I want to do. It's this is or what I've always done. It's how can I learn how to pivot? How can I learn how to have self-compassion for the fact that I have to pivot? And rather that the universe is out to get me and the universe does not have my back and does not want to see me succeed. Those are mindsets, right? The um, way to bring gratitude into it is rather than focusing on what's wrong, let me focus on what is going right right now. You know, I often tell business owners when I do corporate trainings for mindfulness, what would happen if you started off every single meeting with your team saying, hey, let's let's talk about what's going right. What have we accomplished? What is What are we succeeding at right now? So we can start the upward spiral on positivity rather than start off on negativity. Um, part of, you know, to be mindful in the business world is how much are we ex- overextending the sense of um, expectations on our on ourselves and on our team or on our employees or even on our clients. Because if we're taking the mindful approach to business, it would be to recognize how stress and anxiety affect your productivity, affect your ability to focus and have attention and affect your ability for creativity and innovation. And so, you know, mindfulness has been found to reduce stress and anxiety. And when we can learn to calm ourselves down, that innovation, creativity, focus, attention, creativity, teamwork goes up, right? So any which area in business we're struggling with, I believe there's always a mindset shift. We can say, okay, here's what's arising. I thought it was going to look like this. I thought I was going to handle like this and 
let me take a deep breath. How can I respond, not react? How can I not externalize it? How can I be curious and compassionate to what is my next best move? See, there's a, it's interesting. There's a lot to it. There's a lot I want to unpack from that. Cause there's a lot of really good stuff there. Yes. Um, you know, the, the first thing that you talked about was kind of that, how little we have control over. It's always amazing to me because I feel like when you tell people that half the world is going to think that that is the worst thing. Like I have so mm -hmm. little control. And then the other half of the world is going to be like, man, that's so liberating. Like I can do my best and I've got yes. this stuff, but I'm only controlling this little part. And then, you know, we'll see what happens with the rest. So it's just, it, it's interesting because I have a similar conversation with people about their calendar and I'm like, look, yeah. everything needs to go on your calendar. Even if you calendar, nothing goes in this block, yes. you know, you get that liberating feeling of it. And so it's just, it's an interesting, you know, I, I like that you phrase it that way. Yeah. I'll, I'll say it this way too. My ex-husband and I used to get into a playful argument when I was beginning my business, he would say, what are my goals? And he's an engineer. His, his brain is wired a little more linearly than mine. And I used to get really almost offended when he would really try to get me to set my goals. And I'd say, I don't have goals. I have intentions. Because a goal is some future outcome. A goal is something I'm attaching my present moment success or happiness or joy based on if this future outcome happens. Whereas an intention keeps me really present. What am I doing right now in this present moment to set me towards this goal? An intention allows the road to kind of twist and curve because I know to get to that goal, it's never going to be a straight line, even if I think. I have to be willing to have those twists and turns. I have to be willing to be compassionate when, okay, I did this one, didn't work. All right, reset. Self-compassion. All right, breathe, calm down, get back into the present, reset my mindset. So if I'm just focusing on a goal, then my mind is always in the future. And I might be missing some really important things either going on inside of me or my community or my team or my employees or my clients or whomever that is preventing me from seeing clearly. I like it. That's a very, it, it's just, it's so interesting because, you know, like I came into this running this law firm, having no formal business experience. I didn't go to school to run a business. I went to school to be a lawyer, et cetera. And so it's, it's really cool to see how you can go more business focused on certain things, but you can also go less business focused on other things and still have success. And so it's really interesting yeah. to talk about, you know, that intention versus that goal to come back to that control standpoint, because I think you get a much happier business owner who focuses on huge. their intentions. It's, it's huge. And to think that we don't need to get our mindset or overall wellness in check when running a business is just naive in looking at the success of business. You know, um, my fiance and I earlier during, I think it was starting in May, he and I put together an online summit, which actually you can still access on our, on another website of ours called the ultimate relationship.com. We gathered over 25 experts from around the world on how to go from surviving to thriving during coronavirus. And we did two little, we did two interviews with each guest, one extended on their area of expertise, and then one like five minute tips specific to coronavirus. But, you know, we had experts ranging from relationships, dating, sex, business, finance, mindset, resilience, um, hope, positive psychology. Uh, I mean, we, it was amazing. We had amazing experts pulled together for this summit. And 
you know, when, when looking at um, our goals and in our business, we have to be able to understand where can I pivot? You know, and there was somewhere I was going specific with one of the topics from the summit, which my mind, I have all these ideas I want to share. There's too much good stuff to want to tap into. But, you know, we've got to be able to um, understand, you know, where is my attention best focused on? And if I'm stressed and anxious and overwhelmed about everything, then I'm not going to be able to really focus on what's best for my business right now. And, oh, I remember where it was going. One of the experts, her name is Jen Tem. She's actually was one of my business coaches I worked with. And she helps people, you know, launch multi-million dollar businesses. And she's worked in the corporate world and now is helping more in the private sector. Um, but she is a huge proponent as a business owner to be values driven and to get your emotional wellness in check. Because if you are not getting either one of those, giving either one of those attention, you're only half-assing your business. Because if you can't show up as your full self, how do you expect your business to thrive, right? If you aren't managing your own thoughts and emotions and are reactive to either outside stimuli, to your own internal landscape, to your employees, that getting to that goal is gonna be really hard. So I wanna say two more quick things. Um, one yeah, of is course. I, I, I really like visuals because I think visuals are helpful in drawing the point in. And when I talk about making these mindset shifts from maybe these habits or patterns that we've been doing that end up just getting reactive, I like to imagine a snowy field. So imagine you, you, you get to this field, it's covered in deep snow and you wanna get across. And there's one path to get across the snow. And that path is so well established, there's like snow embankments that are like 10 feet high on either side. That is your well-established path for how you do things. The problem is you get to the other side and you don't like where you are. You feel shitty. You feel kind of crappy. You don't feel good about yourself. You feel it was reactive or you were judging or whatever it was. You walk down this path and you're like, it was easy. I know how to do it. It was familiar. It was right there in front of me, but I don't like it. So anytime you approach this snowy field, you have a choice. You can walk down that well-established path or you can start a new path. And in the beginning, those new paths, it's going to be really hard because there's going to be footprints in the snow. And in the beginning, it's going to feel awkward and uncomfortable and difficult. And your feet are going to get cold and they're going to get wet. And you're like, why am I doing this? This path over here is so easy. I know how to do this. It's there. Well, if you make that conscious choice each and every time, over time, that new path will become well-established. And now you've got another path across the snow taking you to where you want to be. And eventually, this one over here is just going to get snowed over. So this is the visual I like to give on how to rewire new habits. That literally, that visual is literally what's happening in our brain when you practice a new tool towards living more intentionally. It's literally like, you know, doing bicep curls for your brain. You know, I can't think about, oh, I want to have a flat stomach. So I'm going to think about doing some ab work. Just thinking about it ain't going to get me there. I have to physically do it to build the muscle. It's the same thing, right? We, we, to get us where we want to go, we actually have to do the work to get us there. So it's yep. a really nice reminder to consider when it, what, what does intentional choice look like? I love the, that, the snowy field starting a new path because I always – my least favorite answer ever in the history of time is always the why do we do it this way and the answer being because we've always done it this way. 
And I mean, that is exactly the problem with it. It is. And you know, one of my favorite questions to ask clients is how is it serving you staying stuck in whatever you're stuck in mindset, relationship, job, whatever it is, we get stuck. Right. And when I ask people, how is it serving you to stay stuck? And they're always like, it's not, it sucks. Yes. And there's a secondary benefit by staying stuck, which is it's familiar and I know how to do it. Right. It's, it's a lot easier to stay stuck than it is to walk that new path. And if you can get over the hump and the mindset that the new path is, you know, is harder, ultimately the new path will become a lot easier when you feel in alignment, when you get through it. So, you know, I want to kind of wrap up by, I, I said in the beginning, people often interchangeably use the words inaccurately, med- mindfulness and meditation. So, you know, generally people will ask at this point of, you know, okay, great. This all sounds lovely. How can I start? Well, you know, what do I have to do to start being more mindful? And it takes practice. Like I said, it's not something you can conceptually practice. The way that our brain rewires is through what's called experience-dependent neuroplasticity. That means you actually got to do something to create a change. It's a fancy way of saying that. So at the root of how we do all this is to practice meditation. Now, many people have a lot of misconceptions, preconceptions, judgments, assumptions about what meditation is and is not. And I want to be really simple in saying meditation is simply practice for the real life. That's all it is. Meditation is slowing down, connecting with your breath, connecting with your body, noticing whatever's coming up, thoughts, emotions, sensations, distractions, and having something you're focusing on, whether it's your breath, whether it's your hands, whether it's your feet, whether it's a sound, whether it's something you see, like a candle that's lit or something. And you have this focus of attention, which is your breath, or like I said, some external focus. And then all this stuff comes up around you, and you're like, oh, look, that's interesting. Look what all that is. And you just come back to your focus. That's it. Think of like a snow globe with like a figurine at the bottom of the snow globe or like, a, you know, stacked rocks at the bottom of a snow globe. You know, you shake the snow globe and then it just all begins to settle. But those rocks are just still sitting at that little figurine in the snow globe. It's the exact same thing. It's all this gets shaken up around us and we just kind of sit and let it settle. Oh, look at that. That's interesting. Easier said than done by 10 times. However, You can do this in really small little increments, a minute a day, 30 seconds at a time, just pause. So I like to tell people when you get out of bed in the morning before jumping up, you hit the alarm, you know, starting your day, just take a moment and just breathe. Take three or four mindful breaths, slowly inhale, slowly exhale, set an intention for the day, check in with your body, check in with your thoughts, breathe. Okay, now you're, you've gone through your morning, now you're sitting down at your computer to check your email. You start to race as you see there's 35 new emails that popped up. Okay, just pause and breathe. Gives your emotional brain a moment to quiet down, all your executive functioning to work at its optimal level. You do this a couple times throughout the day and you begin to notice, oh, look at that. When I pause and breathe, I'm less reactive to that distraction. When I pause and breathe, I'm less believing of that negative thought. I'm just, I'm just here breathing easier said than done. And it sounds ridiculously simplified and it works. So, you know, I I don't think mindfulness is something to add to your to-do list because I know we're all busy. And when people think it's something to add to your to-do list, they're like, I don't have time to be mindful. Right. My response is, well, you got time to be angry. You got time to be anxious. You got time to be upset. You got time to be distracted. How about just shifting the energy you're already using and let it to start serve you? So hopefully that was some good insights for people of, you know, how they can begin to just be aware 
of themselves. Be aware, get off autopilot. You know, just get into the driver's seat of your own life and just notice what you notice with awareness and compassion and choose the path that's going to serve you most. All right. So with that, um, if people, you know, we've had some people watching this quite a bit and then obviously we'll, we'll keep this going. It'll, it's available on YouTube right now as well as Facebook Live. It'll stay up here after we're done. Um, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? We've got your website, Jory Rose, J-O-R-E-E-R-O-S-E.com. We also yes. posted uh, the ultimate relationship.com in the comments for that surviving the thriving summit yes, that y'all put summit on. summit is still available. Yeah, it's, it's amazing summit. Any other contact info or other things that you want us to put in you here? You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I have a, a Facebook group called Journey Forward with Jory Rose in which I post almost daily. I do multiple weekly meditations. And for those of you who are really kind of intrigued and want to know more, um, go to my website, send me a message, and I'll put you on uh, a wait list because I'm I'm about to launch probably September 1st, a membership site in which I am going to be guiding free people through how to create lasting positive change in their life in very simple and attainable and relatable tools. And, you know, I'm taking the esoteric and making it practical because I know ultimately we all want to be happy. We all want to feel content. We want to stress and worry less. And I can teach you the tools to help you get there. Cause, and how do I know all this? Cause I, I I've done this myself. I have literally shifted out of every negative habit mindset and pattern. And I live fully intentionally. Is it always easy? No. Does it work? Does it work every moment? No, but I always know the tools and the resources to draw upon when I'm feeling stuck. So I'm happy to connect with anyone who wants to learn more. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here today. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Take care and be well.